Today is December 16th, 2020. Attorney General Barr is set to leave his post before Christmas. Republicans finally start to acknowledge the Biden victory. And the World Health Organization comes out and says what we've all been waiting for. Santa is immune to COVID. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We have... Another amazing episode for you here on your favorite podcast that brings you all the best insights from both the left and the right side of the aisle. I would even be willing to go as far to say as this is the best podcast that we've done so far. I'm sure that you, all that are listening, would agree as well. Thank you so much for hopping in and joining us. If you are new, just a little bit of a teensy tidbit about what we like to do around here. Well, we are a political podcast that likes to look at both sides of the aisle, acknowledge the good, acknowledge, acknowledge the bad, and understand that most of the time you can find a compromise and you can find somewhere that sits in the middle that acknowledges the truths that are found on both sides, but really, really come into that sweet truth that lies right there in the center. Our goal is to be able to bridge the gap a little bit, have good conversation, have opinions that are informed, and be willing to understand that not everybody is going to agree with your opinions, but still push forward and having civil discourse as much as we possibly can. So if that's something that you're interested in, please jump in and follow along as we hop on into our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, Attorney General William Barr is set to step down before Christmas. So Trump announced it in a tweet on Monday afternoon uh, that Barr would be resigning and that he actually would be gone, I think, the 23rd. He's set to you know, go out and spend some time with his family. So Trump tweeted, just had a very nice meeting with Attorney General Bill Barr at the White House. Our relationship has been a very good one. He's done an outstanding job, exclamation point. As per letter, Bill will be leaving just before Christmas to spend time uh, to spend the holidays with his family. So at this point, Jeff Rosen will begin as the acting attorney general, and Richard Donahue will act as the deputy attorney general. Supposedly, the Trump administration actually did not ask him to resign. That's what they've said, at least. That's reported by Fox News. Um, so although, I don't know, that's kind of hard for me to believe. So Trump just tweeted over the weekend about how about his displeasure with Attorney General Barr, that he was a disappointment, that he did not particularly care for him. And uh, it has been known for a little while that, uh, and we'll get into a lot of this here a little bit later in the story, but uh, Trump and a lot of the Republicans have not been a huge fan of Barr because they don't feel like that he has done their bidding nearly as much as they would have preferred for him to. So the left side of the aisle uh, is somewhat ambivalent to all of this, so they don't really care. Honestly, they're kind of like the majority of the left is just buying their time until Biden gets into office, at which point Barr would have been gone anyway. The left hated Barr simply because he was associated with Donald Trump. And as we all know, if you're associated with Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is the epitome of all things evil on the left side of the aisle, that also means that you are evil and horrible, horrible, terrible person because you're associated with terrible, terrible, bad, orange Donald Trump. Um, the right side of the aisle, though, is where it kind of starts to get a little bit juicy, right? The right side of the aisle is pretty split. So, as with many things on the right, the party doesn't really know whether to back Trump tirelessly or to support what would be best for the party as a whole and kind of politics as a whole. So um, those things oftentimes are not actually aligned 100%. Uh, Donald Trump, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit later, uh, I believe in our second story, but 
Um, Donald Trump has changed the Republican Party a lot. So right now, it's there's a lot of Republicans that, kinda, that are kind of caught between this weird dichotomy of what the Republican Party was before Trump and kind of what it's morphed into now. And as a result, if you back Trump, then you really didn't like William Barr at all. But if you are kind of just a, maybe a little more regular school, like old school type, more, con, I guess, moderate Republican, Republican, then you really liked Will Barr, because, William Barr, oh, William, William Barr, be, then, because he did a lot of stuff that most Republicans really liked. So, um, a great example of this was actually a segment that was done by Lou Dobbs uh, over on Fox News where uh, when they actually went through and did their little announcement about all this going through, he uh, ended up talking to the president, the head of Judicial Watch, um, who is the whole Judicial Watch thing is basically just this huge Trump backing association at this point. Um, but they obviously were displeased with this. So let's hop in and take a quick look now. Tom, we've got a lot to go over here. I'm going to uh, just begin with the attorney general resigning and taking off in just a little more than a week. Your thoughts? Well, obviously, there was a big gap in uh, what President Trump wanted in terms of the DOJ approach on these uh, uh, on the corruption crisis that our nation faces uh, versus Barr's, in my view, lackadaisical approach to it. Uh, I mean, we have information this week being reported that he specifically intervened to stop investigative steps from taking place against the Hunter crime family, uh, the Biden crime family. And, uh, you know, that's just not acceptable. It's not acceptable. Uh, he protected uh, McCabe. He protected Comey. The Durham investigation is a big fail, as best I can tell. Uh, Hillary Clinton got a pass from Barr as well. Uh, Barr did some good things. He was an effective spokesman. All right, so uh, there at the end, you hear him say, Barr did some effective things. He was an effective spokesman, right? But he didn't do nearly as much of the stuff that a lot of these Trump Republicans wanted him to do. All right, you heard that. He should have gone, gone after Comey, right? He should have gone after Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton should be behind bars right now. Um, he, they, uh, you know, the whole special counsel that he appointed uh, with Jeff, um, with John Durham. That should have been done long ago. They need to be investigating all these people that are uh, going after Donald Trump. So really, William Barr should have been an extension of the Trump administration, an extension of Trump's arm, fighting a lot of the battles for him. So uh, the guy that was talking there, his name is Tom Fenton. He's the president of Judicial Watch. Judicial Watch claim on their website is, quote, a conservative foundation that fights for the accountability and integrity in law, politics, and government because no one is above the law. So basically what they do is they file Freedom Information Act suits, so FOIA suits, primarily against Democrats, almost completely against Democrats, and try and uncover misconduct that is done by government officials. Uh, they are wholeheartedly sold out for Trump, right? Like, these people love them some Trump. I, Tom Fenton here, the man really, really loves Donald Trump and thinks that he's just the bomb. So they don't like Barr because Barr didn't do enough to partisan attack the left side of the aisle the way that Donald Trump did. So um, if they want uh, an attorney general in there that's going to support Trump, then obviously that means that that person has to be going after all of Donald Trump's opponents. You heard within the video, Fenton was upset because uh, William Barr did not release information that would have uh, that basically would have come out and said that Hunter Biden was actually under investigation before the election actually took place. You know, when it comes down to it, um, he should have done that, Tom Fenton argued, because that obviously would have helped Donald Trump out a good bit. Um, 
So they, you know, want Barr to openly attack and openly enlist investigations uh, into the opposite side of the aisle so as to help Trump out. Um, It's really, really interesting because they're wanting, you know, Barr as the attorney general to politicize the position even more than the position has already been politicized. Um, And it's, you know, kind of, that's not good. Like, you don't want the attorney general, you don't want the head of the Department of Justice to be this incredibly partisan position well, the person doesn't really follow after or do what would necessarily be best for the American people, but instead just does what would be best for whatever the president wants him to do. I think that what they realize um, in a lot of ways is that they needed an attorney general that was highly politicized because of how polarizing and how well Trump politicized absolutely everything. You know, they wanted to have an attorney general that would do the exact same thing. So um, the thing is, though, is that Will Barr actually did do what a lot of Republicans would be super happy about. Um, he was really, really hard on China and protecting intellectual properties, intellectual property and uh, doing his best to try and keep China from attacking American interests, both abroad, but also domestically as well. Uh, he was really hard on drugs and cartels that were coming out of Mexico and into the United States. He worked very closely with a lot of Mexican officials in the Mexican government in order to be able to discontinue and cut off a lot of the supply lines that drug cartels were bringing into the U.S. Uh, he was unabashedly supportive of the police, which is a huge Republican talking point right now. Will Barr over and over came out, said that he was in support of law enforcement, which as the head of DOJ, you would hope that he would be, but, um, you know, unashamedly took the side of law enforcement, which obviously more than likely would not have happened if he would have been a more democratic or left-leaning attorney general. Um, And he, you know, for the most part, he was a pretty conservative or right-leaning attorney general, uh, probably the most conservative in action that we've had since he was the attorney general under H.W. Bush. Okay. So, you know, attorney general Barr has been in politics for a very long time. He knows the game. He knows how, you know, all these people like to play back and forth and really just want you to do their bidding. But overall, William Barr as a whole was a pretty conservative attorney general and did a lot of things that most Republicans should be cheering. The problem is, is that a lot of Republicans are sold out for Trump, and Donald Trump says that he doesn't like Will Barr. So, as a result, William Barr obviously catches a lot of flack from the right side of the aisle. So, the thing that Barr, I think, realized, though, and you can have your qualms with Barr, um, this is not a total defense of him, um, but I will say that I think that there are a lot of things that uh, William Barr chose not to make heavily politicized, and uh, he realized that that just wasn't his place it really, you know, wasn't his place to win an election for Donald Trump, right? That was Trump's job to convince the American people that he needed to be the man for the job in order to win the presidency, right? It wasn't William's Bar- William Barr's job to release a whole bunch of stuff that would be hit jobs on Donald Trump's opponents. It was William jo- William Barr's job to protect the American people and to try up try and uphold the law within the United States. What I think you are starting to see, especially from more of the Trump Republicans, is that they were realizing before the election happened, and they're realizing afterwards, that Trump had not convinced a good enough portion of the American people that he was the man to do the job. So, as a result, 
They want a lot of other people to start to compromise some of the positions that they have in order to be able to uphold Trump being able to at least stay in office or to have won the election, right? Donald Trump just did not obviously do a good enough job to be able to convince the American people that uh, he should remain in the presidency, that he had done a good job over the previous four years, and that he should be voted back into office. Um Unfortunately, that just wasn't his thing. You know, that was that wasn't what he was able to convince the American people of. Unfortunately for the Trump team, so um, I, obviously with how politicized everything is now, um, you have to be able to at least acknowledge and be happy about the fact that, like, yes. Bill Barr wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, and yes, he politicized some things, but he did what a lot of Republicans should be happy about, and you know, the fact that all these Republicans are pretty much just crapping on him right now um, is kind of kind of ridiculous to see, right? He did what a lot of Republicans wanted. So with all of that having been said, let's move on into our second story of the day, story number two. So our second story of the day, Republicans finally start acknowledging the Biden victory. So uh, Mitch McConnell actually released a statement on the Senate floor acknowledging Biden's victory. This came after Monday's electoral vote. Uh, Biden was up. He won the electoral vote 306 to Trump's 330 or 232. I'm sorry. Uh, that's the same margin of victory that held Trump, uh, that Trump held in 2016. He won at, with 306 votes in the electoral college. Um, and I think that Mitch McConnell actually kind of played this politically pretty well right now. Mitch McConnell's been in politics for a really, really long time, all right? The dude knows how the cookie crumbles on the Senate floor, okay? And what he wanted to do was obviously, if he came out really early and like, you know, opened his arms to Biden and been, been like, hey, listen, man, you won the election fair and square. Congratulations. You know, with you you know everything about the Senate. You've been here in the Senate before. Like, we're looking forward to trying reaching some type of bipartisan compromise here in the future. Then he would have gotten absolutely reamed out by the Republicans, right? Because you have to remember, a large portion of the Republicans, up until like two weeks ago, were still saying that Donald Trump won the election and that Biden stole it from him. Now, that is, you know, much more of a fringe, you know, in some ways, kind of piece of the Republicans, especially after this electoral electoral college loss and the Supreme Court kind of turning down that Texas lawsuit earlier in the week. Um, but it was kind of a smart move for him because he, of course, is going to receive flack from the left side of the aisle because if you didn't immediately acknowledge that Biden had won, uh, you know, three weeks before the election even happened, then obviously you were stupid and you had no idea what you were talking about and you were just a partisan hack, right? But if you're on the right side of the aisle, you're going to be upset if he acknowledges it too early. You're going to be upset on the left side of the aisle if he acknowledges it too late. Well, he chose to wait until the Electoral College was actually finalized, which technically is when the election is over, right? That's when the election is completely finalized when all the delegate counts are in. So he decided on the Senate floor to go ahead and say his little tidbit about Joe Biden winning the presidency. And this came on Monday. Let's hop in and take a listen now. Six weeks ago, the Americans, Americans voted in this year's general election. The legal and constitutional processes have continued to play out since then. Yesterday, electors met in all 50 states. So as of this morning, our country has officially a president-elect and a vice president-elect. Many millions of us had hoped the presidential election would yield 
a different result. But our system of government has processes to determine who will be sworn in on January the 20th. The Electoral College has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. The President-elect is no stranger to the Senate. He's devoted himself to public service for many years. I also want to congratulate the Vice President-elect, our colleague from California, Senator Harris. Beyond our differences, all Americans can take pride that our nation has a female Vice President-elect for the very first time. I look forward to finishing out the next 36 days strong with President Trump. Our nation needs us to add another bipartisan chapter to this record. All right. So that's good old Mitch McConnell in there with his, you know, just smooth, buttery Southern draw. <laughs> All right. So, um... He obviously is going to catch flack on both sides of the aisle. I think Mitch McConnell actually played this pretty smart politically. At the end of the day, you're never going to make both sides happy. So at least he came out and actually said something and congratulated Biden. I do think that's important. It at least shows a little bit of like reaching across the aisle a bit. So other Republicans have also begun to come out and say something as well. Uh, the Senate Majority Whip John Thune uh, is the second highest ranking Republican in the Senate, told reporters on Monday that it was, quote, time to move on. Um, he said, I understand that there are people who feel strongly about the outcome of this election, but in the end, at some point, you have to face the music. And I think that once the Electoral College settles the issue today, it's time for everyone to move on. John Cornyn of Texas, he's also very close to Mitch McConnell. He's pretty conservative. I spoke to reporters and said simply that the nature of the elections was to have a winner and a loser, and it's time to accept it and go ahead and just move on with our lives, accept the fact that Donald Trump lost, that Joe Biden won, and we're going to have to move in and try to figure out what to do. Um, I honestly really appreciate finally hearing major leaders within the Republican Party coming out and saying this stuff. It has been apparently obvious for the past, literally the past month, that Donald Trump is just spinning his wheels and that nothing is happening. Rudy Giuliani has honestly been just embarrassing himself on a national stage for about a month now. And that's not to say that there was nothing that went wrong or that there was no nefarious play within the election at all. And that's not to say that Donald Trump, you know, in some ways, you know, I don't know, there could have been some type of election fraud out there. I don't see a ton of evidence for it, like I've said before. Um, but at this point, it's just starting to become like there's a faction of Trump Trumpians out there, Trumpists out there that are really, really, really just clinging on hard to this idea of election fraud. And by Republicans not coming out and saying anything at all for now a month and a half after the election, it was starting to look, you know, pretty bad on the Republican Party. So um, as Trump has now been officially voted out by the Electoral College, we're starting to really see some of the fractures within the Republican Party. So I've talked about this a good bit before. Uh, in previous podcasts, uh, but in many ways, the Republican Party has lost the identity that it had even just four years ago because of how many different things that Trump has changed, okay? Um, his brash and very more, like much more populist and nationalist type of style, his much more isolationist agenda, and there's those are totally opposite of a lot of the priorities that were there under Reagan, under H.W. Bush, and under George Bush, 
Uh, and you're seeing how there's a lot of these maybe even older Republicans uh, that are kind of against some of these new wave ideals that Trump has kind of brought in. But then you're also seeing this new wave, this gigantic portion of the Republican Party that is just wholesale after Donald Trump. And it's causing a pretty big rift in the Republican Party as to like what type of policy prescriptions that they're going to push going forward. What type of legislation are they going to push going forward as well? So if we think back, right, way, way on back, the Repub- it was the Republicans that initially passed NAFTA, right? It was a Republican Congress under Bill Clinton that passed the North American Free Trade Agreement, okay? Donald Trump has come out and been unashamedly against free trade. Okay, one of his biggest opponents and one of the biggest things that Donald Trump uh, has bashed is these globalists, right? The Democrats are globalists. They want to be able to just have no borders at all. They want to have uh, no borders with trade, which hurts the American economy. It hurts American manufacturing. And we need to work our hardest against that. We need to isolate and insulate ourselves a little bit from the rest of the world, especially economically. And we need to discontinue a lot of these different free trade agreements that we've gotten into. So Obama got into a free trade agreement as well, or not a free trade agreement necessarily, but the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the TPP, that Donald Trump immediately came in and signed us out of was supposed to work in some ways to have an economic impact as well that would allow for better trading partnerships between us and more Pacific Island co- uh, countries. Um, we also think we also can look back. Reagan was famous for his push for free trade and open immigration policy to allow for more lower skilled wage workers come into the United States. Um, he also Reagan also relaxed trade restrictions with China and even had talks with about selling military weapons with communist China as well in the early 1980s. Um, so the you know the entirety of the Reaganomics, this Milton Friedman, Thomas Sowell, like laissez-faire type of libertarian economic and fiscal policy, was heavily heavily dependent upon opening up our borders and having more accessible trade with less tariffs, so as to be able to get lower costs and lower expenses for different types of manufacturing jobs, right, and lower and service jobs as well. Um, Reagan was absolutely famous for this, right? Like it was under Reagan that really, for the most part, NAFTA was kind of crafted in some ways. It started to build up steam uh, from Reagan into the George H.W. or yeah, the H.W. Bush um, uh, era, and then it eventually ended up getting finalized by the Republicans in Congress under in 1994 under Clinton. So um, Donald Trump is is pulled away from a lot of that right? He's pulled away from a lot of it. He came in and just absolutely trashed on NAFTA, said that it was a terrible agreement, that we needed to rework the entire agreement. Now in the U.S., uh, I believe, MCA. Um, so, you know, he came in and tried to put a different and did put a different agreement in place. But a lot of it was because he wanted to end a lot of that, you know, just total freedom of trade that can come across the borders from the United States to other countries. Um, this is incredibly different, especially economic policy than from what we've had in the past. In order to be able to have very, very cheap manufacturing in the United States, you have to have a very large amount of low-skilled laborers that are willing and able to go and work those manufacturing jobs, a lot of those more hard labor and labor-intensive types of jobs. Well, in order to do that, because the United States is one of the more educated populations in the world, you have to bring be able to bring in populations and immigrants from other places that would be able, that would be more low-skilled and that wouldn't have the higher, the higher level of education, 
right? So that's why Reagan was, you know, a little bit more open with his immigration policy, a little bit more libertarian in that. Donald Trump has been the opposite, right? He campaigned on closing down the border to Mexico. He campaigned on having a stricter immigration policy and being much more isolationist and focusing specifically on the United States. So now the Republican Party looks much different because Trump came in and changed the game, right? Uh, they're much more con- People are much more concerned in the Republican Party about the culture wars that are happening, whereas before, that wasn't the primary objective of the Republicans, right? Um, the number one things that Republicans now are scared of and don't want is they're pushing back on cancel culture. They're pushing back on abortion is also a gigantic issue for vast, the vast majority of Republicans, right? So uh, it's much more of these like more cultural type things as opposed to more economic and fiscal policy that I think drove a lot of the Republicans in the 80s and the 90s as well, and even up into the early 2000s. Um, this is not to say that the Democrats... Uh, don't have fighting within their party as well. Of course they do. Uh, The more progressive side of the aisle is pushing and trending much, much farther towards socialism, uh, whereas the more moderates and the more kind of right side of the aisle Democrats are abhorrently against it. So obviously that's a huge faction within the Democrats. However, all of the Democrats were able to agree on and come together on the fact that they absolutely hated Donald Trump. They hated him. So they had a common enemy. But the Republicans seem to be waging this war against everything. And that's kind of because of Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump that says that, you know, the media is the enemy of the people. Uh, He says that, you know, the leftists, we need to be fighting against the leftists. All of my people need to fight against all these people with their far left ideology. They need to be fighting against the globalists, right? The globalists that Trump talks about a lot. So there's... You know, there's always going to be a huge vacuum of leadership when a Republican or a Democratic president is voted out of office. But this time appears to be a little bit different because of just how polarizing and politicizing Trump was. Um, and it's going to be really, really interesting to see how a lot of these Republicans start to kind of piece the party back together and come back with this new and different identity that is actually different and set aside from Trump because Trump is no longer going to be in politics. So they can't run on Trump giving them endorsements. They can't run on, oh, I'm a Trump Republican, you know? Well, I guess they can. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. So, um, the lack of identity could really lead to some problems in how they're voting on key legislation and policy procedures, though, which is what I think is the most concerning for the Republican Party. So um, with all of that having been said, let's go ahead and finish up our third, onto our third story of the day, story number three. So for our third story of the day, the World Health Organization and Dr. Anthony Fauci, the leading immunologist here in the United States, both came out and confirmed what all of us were so worried about. Yes, Santa is in fact immune to COVID-19. Personally, I was terrified. As many of you know, Santa is jolly. He's much, much older. I mean, depending on depending on some of the statistics and stuff that you look at, Santa could even be a couple thousand years old, right? That's scary. He's pretty rickety, all right? Not only that, but if you've seen any pictures of him, he is morbidly obese, okay? That is absolutely in the higher rankings for, you know, people that can be affected the most by COVID. Uh, Fortunately, though, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, Donald Trump, or um, Donald Trump, Santa actually um, is exempt because of all the good qualities that Santa has. He actually has an innate immunity, Um you know, as many people know, Santa is able to fly around the world 
all night long on Christmas Eve. Um, so obviously he possesses some kind of qualities that not every human is able to be able to possess, right? So fortunately we know Santa is actually immune to COVID-19 and this could not come at a better time uh, with COVID absolutely just running rampant all the way across America and the entire world. I was really worried that Santa would actually, you know, succumb to it since he'd be going into all these people's houses all over the world. Um, you know, so we'll have to, hopefully everything with Christmas Eve and with Santa kicks off properly and it all gets done well. Luckily, we have our top immunologists in the World Health Organization and also here in the United States as well, coming out and bringing us this hard-hitting news that we really need and the stuff that we are absolutely worried about. They also came out and made sure to say, even though Santa is immune to the coronavirus, social distancing is still incredibly important. So make sure and tell all of your children they still need to stay away. They need to get to sleep early on Christmas Eve night because they don't want to be coming into contact with Santa because although he's immune, he could be a carrier. So luckily, all of that is settled. We can go ahead and move on and look forward to Christmas Day and all of the wonderful joy that it brings. So with all of that having been said, let's go ahead and finish up our show with something that made me smile. So something that made me smile today was actually that my mother got on the local news. <laughs> I don't know how she did it. <laughs> I don't know how in the world that she's only been living here for a month, about a month and a half, and she has already made it onto the local news. They hadn't come and asked me my opinions about anything. But basically what happens is she's down in Five Points, which if for all my listeners that don't live in Columbia or don't know anything about Columbia, it's kind of like a smaller little restaurant and uh, bar slash, uh, you know, different store location down in, in downtown Columbia that, you know, have a bunch of cool little stores and stuff. So anyways, she was down there and she sees a guy uh, with a camera and he's got his mask on and everything, but she thinks she knows the guy is one of my, you know, our friends. So she walks up to the guy and, you know, says who she presumes what, what his name is. The guy was like, no, that's not who I am, but I am actually a TV reporter and I'm getting interviews for people's opinions on the upcoming <laughs> coronavirus vaccine. Would you mind doing an interview for me? So my mom proceeds to give her, <laughs> give him her opinion on the coronavirus vaccine. Luckily, she has been listening to Split the Difference podcast religiously every single day, three times a week for the past two and a half months. So she knew everything that she needed to know from all this hard hitting stuff that is coming off of Split the Difference podcast. But uh, really funny, I don't believe that I'm going to have a video or anything for it. But once I do, I'll try to post it on my Instagram or Facebook and stuff so you guys can see it. But um, pretty hilarious stuff. She's going to be, she's she's a celebrity now. I didn't realize that it was going to happen so quickly, so easily here in Columbia. But anyways, that made me smile and kind of made me crack up a little bit uh, this week. So with all of that, that is the show for the day. Thank you for stopping in, for listening, and for checking us out. Find me on all the different social medias. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at my website, splitthedifference.com. Drop me a like and a subscribe. Give me a thumbs up and a five-star review. I need all of that because it helps so much to get my channel out there and to get a lot of what I'm doing out into other people's AirPods and headphones. So um, if you, you know, as always, remember, we're going to do our best to keep a level head. We're going to do our best to stay reasonable. And we're always going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor. <laughs>